0: We have been working through a series called Braving the Shadows uh, about having courage in the face of whatever it is that we're afraid of, wherever we don't see God's light. We've talked about fear in general, and so today we're going to talk about the fear of isolation because I think uh, it's a common thing, and it's really common because I'm learning it with our four-month-old who is now starting to cry because we're not holding her. Instead of just feeding time or changing time, you learn a new cry, which is, hey, why am I alone? Somebody come pick me up. And that gets a little bit more exhausting because you were used to routine, but now you realize, okay, we got to spend even more time holding uh, because the baby needs it. And we all need it. (laughs) And so uh, I wanted to start off by talking about one distinction. So you could be afraid of being alone, or you can enjoy being alone. And I want to talk a little bit about that up front, because some of you might find yourself, uh, whether it's by yourself at home or or wherever it is, but there's a difference in being alone and feeling whole, feeling complete, feeling loved, feeling like you're a part of something, um, and happen to not be with someone at that moment. And there's a difference between that and loneliness, where you feel incomplete, where you feel like, you are lacking something where you are depressed or sad or grieving over the absence of some, somebody else. Uh, and so we want to talk about the fear of that, of being alone, of being lonely. And I think that if we're willing to admit it, probably more people in here than we would expect feel high levels of loneliness at some point. Uh, that we are, feel more lonely than we're willing to share with one another. And uh, I was reading up the insurance company, Cigna. Anybody know Cigna? They did a study last year of how lonely people feel in the U.S. And so they did a study because it has health effects on you. And so when people feel really alone, it hurts them. And so they wanted to know better about how how lonely people are and its effects. And in their study last year, they found that 46% of Americans reported feeling lonely Uh, sometimes or all of the time. So more than two out of every five people, almost half of us, would report feeling lonely on on a good number of occasions or frequently. And more than that, uh, 43% also felt isolated, felt like they lacked companionship, and that their relationships lacked meaning. And the part of their study that really shocked me, because I kind of just assume, because of personal experience, People feel lonely at times. But the health effects that they cited from some research studies was that feeling, uh, the feeling of loneliness that, that is this, this level has the same impact on mortality as smoking 15 cigarettes a day. And I don't even know how to deal with that number, and I also don't want to get into the science of it and read through all of these journals that they're citing, But at least that an insurance provider would even make that kind of claim. The high levels of loneliness is like going through a lot of cigarettes every day, and they found that loneliness was even worse than um, high levels of obesity, that loneliness greatly affects your health, which costs them money, and that's why they're doing the study. But, But people feel lonely, and it affects them. And some of the best... Research you can do on this is people that are feeling extreme loneliness. So they do a lot of studies about prisoners and solitary confinement, because that's one of the most extreme forms that anyone experiences, of 23 hours a day in a room with no windows and no interaction with people. And it used to be that that might be for a day or two, or maybe a week, but it's become prolonged and prolonged, where the health effects have been more and more and more noticeable. Uh, But what we we find is that people's brains change when they're alone and when they're isolated and they can't connect with one another. And so what they found was that the part of the brain that's around memory and learning and spatial awareness started to shrink. And there was an inmate that was in solitary confinement, and I can't even imagine this, but for 29 years, and he was addressing a conference of psychologists about solitary confinement, and he was explaining his own experience of when he finally got out. Um, He couldn't travel simple like city navigation routes, so like simple how to get from one spot to the other, that that spatial awareness was just muddy. And that he found that, I can't really recognize people's faces. And he had to spend time trying to retrain himself to recognize what a face looked like. And that part of the brain had just, wasn't needed for survival. And the part of the brain that grows in that moment of stress about isolation is the the part of the brain that's the anxiety, the fear. And so when we feel really, really alone, our brain starts to change, and it starts to be harder to connect with people. And so we end up in the cycle where we get more and more cut off from one another, uh, and it gets really tough to get out of that. And so... While we not, might not be experiencing the extreme forms of loneliness, though some people might be, you don't know who, who's sitting next to you might feel incredibly alone and needing companionship, needing friendship, needing a conversation, a connection. Um, but we're all in that journey of, of struggling with, am I alone? And I love that our Bible really makes that clear. The very first thing that creation says, That's not good, according to the Genesis author. It was not good that the man was alone. And so that's one of our root challenges of this world is we are all social, we are made for each other, and yet we feel alone, we feel disconnected. And I love, just as a side note, there's so many wonderful things to talk about in these stories. But in in the story, it says, oh, it's not good for the man to be alone, and the first thing that gets tried is pets. God makes a bunch of animals, brings them by, didn't really do it, I guess I need human companionship, I need friends. And so uh, that's the journey that we're all on together, the struggle of feeling alone and trying to find community with God and with each other. And so it's in that, that we arrive in Genesis 3, where we are called to live in harmony with one another, and yet that's not what happens Right? As, as much as our best intentions to live in good harmony with our friends, our family, yet what do we do? We mess things up. We say the wrong thing. We ignore someone. We forget something. Whatever it is, brokenness happens. And in Genesis 3, the brokenness is, a, is, is the fruit in the story, eating the thing you're not supposed to eat. Uh, but we all also do those things. Whatever it is we're not supposed to do, we do it. And instead of focusing on what went wrong, so that's what we'll often do in that story. I want to talk about the response to what went wrong. Because we all, things go wrong, but how do we respond? Do we respond with isolation, or do we have the courage to show up to God and to each other? So I want to read uh, what happens in Genesis 3 after they take that fruit. Uh, when they take the fruit... It says that, then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made loincloths for themselves. Uh, And I love this, that, okay, they realize something about themselves, and they go to hide. They didn't realize they were naked, and they're like, oh, I guess God made me naked. They go, oh, I've got to hide. Like, there's something about me that's shameful, that, that i got to disappear from God about. i gotta, I got to cover myself up. And so they, they make some clothes for themselves, but that's not the end of it. They also try to hide behind some trees as God comes walking in the garden. And like, maybe he won't see me. But the layers of hiding just get more and more complicated and get more and more aggregated uh, as we keep trying to hide from God and from each other. And... I think that part of what's happening is is we're afraid of being vulnerable. We're afraid of of admitting all of who we are, which is both the good things and the bad things. And so when we mess up, we want to hide it. You could probably imagine a family setting, kids done something wrong, and they're really trying to hide it, and it's blatantly obvious to the parents that something's going on. We're not good at hiding it, but we sure try. But we're all afraid that people are going to see ourselves and that they're going to see our brokenness. And so we have a fear of being vulnerable with people because what if they see my brokenness? What if they see that I'm not perfect, that I'm not all that I want to be? And so we hide. We isolate ourselves. We push people away. We disappear. And we make it impossible to get back to that harmony, that relationship of, how are, how are the man and the woman going to get right with God if they just run from God? But that's what we do when we mess up. We end up isolating ourselves even more. And so, uh, I don't know about you, but we have our own tactics for that hiding. Maybe that's physical for you. Sometimes it's actually just disappearing, like leaving. Maybe you had a, a, a job that you had a disagreement with a coworker or a supervisor, whoever it is, and you're like, I'm just going to get out of there. I just. Instead of dealing with it, two weeks' notice or no notice, right? Uh, maybe, maybe disappearing is uh, moving away. Decide I'm going to get out of town. Uh, maybe that's divorce and abandonment. Maybe that's all sorts of ways in which we disappear physically. Sometimes that disappearance is a little bit more subtle. I'm just too busy. And all the times where we could get together with friends, build relationships, and we're like, you know what? I don't, I don't think I can make it work. And so we hide ourselves away, not building up those relationships that matter to us, that are meaningful, because we feel like we're too busy. Sometimes though, it's not just physical. We hide ourselves mentally. You know, when you ask, hey, how are you doing? I'm fine. It's like, are you really showing up for that conversation? Are you really showing up to be present with somebody? Are you just dismissing it? Like, well, I'm I'm just checked out. And you you all know times where you've checked out. You know people who have checked out who aren't fully there. And sometimes it's even more subtle of I'm going to give a version of myself to somebody. So you play the part of something, but you're still not actually there. You're not letting people see the real you, the, the vulnerable you underneath it all. But we all have plenty of ways to hide, and we struggle with the fact that, well, my relationships aren't what I want them to be, but while you're living in fear and hiding, nothing's going to change on that. And so I love, um, I love what the story offers us. I just want to give you one illustration of how I've been in this hiding spot. Maybe you can relate, maybe you can uh, appreciate this. Uh, my brother and I didn't have a great relationship growing up, he was about almost eight years older than me. Uh, He was adopted and I think he had some resentment and inner family, like real reasons. Um, But we didn't have a great relationship and he was often kind of ugly at points to me. But I idolized him growing up because he was eight years older than me. And you know, like while I'm upper elementary, he's like upper high school, and you see all of the friends and what they're doing and you idolize the person and you're like, I wanna figure out how to have a relationship but we don't do it in healthy ways. So one of the things about him was he, he's really jumpy. Like he can get scared really easily walking around the house. And you happen to be in the kitchen and he comes downstairs and you're like, whoa. And so I knew that about him. And so I had to take advantage of that. And so uh, at some point, I don't know, it was around a Halloween, I had a Batman outfit. And I'm in elementary. I'm not sure how old. I had a Batman mask and a cape. And I went and hid in the upstairs bathroom. There was this little, like, half wall. I, like, hid around the corner of it, just waiting. He's coming at some point. Oh, I hear the door open up, and he comes walking out, and I jump out. And it, yeah, he jumped. And then immediately he turns to, then punching me on the ground. And I'm laughing the whole, all the while, because to me it was worth it in the moment of, hey, I'm actually close to my brother. Right? Like, even in the pain and the ugliness of like, I don't know how to have a relationship here, but somehow in the hiding and being present, that's a moment we have together in our unhealthiness. And, and we all hide from people and we show what we want, but, but deep down underneath it, we want the relationships. We want the connection. And so I love that in our story, God comes walking to help us realize that our hiding isn't going well. And God comes walking into the story, and it says in Genesis 3 9, but the Lord God called to the man and said to him, Where are you? Not because he doesn't know, because we have to learn how to answer the question, Where have you been? Are you willing to actually admit, like, I'm sorry, like, I should have shown up for you? I should have been there. We have to learn how to answer that question of, Where have you been? It's not that God needs to know because he doesn't know. It's that we have to learn how to answer it. And so, where have you been? And the man says, I heard the sound of you in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. And I love that Adam admits he was afraid. Like, usually in church talk, we're like, oh, if God's present, yay, and I'm so excited. But like, for some of us, there are moments in our lives where Thinking about God being close is scary. Because can I let, like, the divine eyes peer too deeply into me? Am I willing to admit who I am in this moment and that God can see me? And so Adam goes to hide. Where are you? I was afraid. And he's ashamed. He's ashamed of himself. That's why the clothes, that's why the hiding. But one of the things I love about the gospel is that Jesus was never ashamed of anybody that society said should be ashamed. You know, that Jesus can, in the process of healing, touch a leper. You know, the person that's supposed to say, hey, get away from me. I'm unclean, don't touch me. Get out of here, I'm here. And Jesus can go and touch that person to heal them. That the woman who had been discarded by so many men in her life, he can have a conversation around a well with her. You know, that all the, whether it's the sinners or the tax collectors or whoever the category is, Jesus can go have a meal, have a conversation, spend time with these people. That nobody should feel so ashamed that they can't come before God. God is always walking in that garden saying, Hey, where are you? He's always showing up for you, whether we hide from God or show up to God in response. And so I hope that. We learn to not be afraid but to have courage to show up to God who comes to us. Um, we know in our heads that there's nothing we can do to hide ourselves. But we still trick ourselves into hiding in our own ways. But I also want to say that we're not just called to harmony with God, but to, with each other. Sometimes that's the harder part. Because God at least is coming and saying, where are you? I, I want that relationship. But people in your life might not actually get to that spot. The person you long for having that relationship may never actually reciprocate that. And so we struggle with how do I have relationships with each other when when we're being pushed away. And so one thing I want to encourage us to is not to be discouraged. Because sometimes if you try to make a friendship and it doesn't work out, you're like, well, I tried, and I and just give up like that. Continue to try, whether it's just with that person or somebody, because we all need people in our lives who know us, who can encourage us, who can challenge us, who can um, be community for us. And I know in in this church, uh, we want to have even more of those spaces, but we've got book groups on Tuesdays and Fridays. Uh, We've got breakfasts. We've got pantry volunteer things. We have opportunities where we can get together and get to Uh, be community together besides just our Sunday worship times but we need those times to grow and to learn each other and to to realize we're not alone and uh, we need that closeness and so maybe that closeness is is, man I miss you maybe I want to go sit next to somebody for worship like hey I want to get close because I how have you been how are you doing I want to check in on you of how do we get closer even when we're in the same room together but it's not just about when we're in this space, but how do, we, how do we make spaces for people to be trusting, for people to be safe, where they feel like they can be vulnerable and it's okay? And so how do you make that in your relationships in your life where people know, I can be me, I can come out of hiding, I can share what's going on in my life with you? So it's not just, yeah, it's snowed, but like, hey, what's going on in your life? You know, talk about something that matters with each other. And so how do we make those spaces where people feel like they can be vulnerable with each other? And sometimes we just really struggle with it because, like, look around and think about who, who maybe you've seen in this space that you don't see here today, and be like, man, I missed them. And maybe it's worth calling and checking in on someone and saying, hey, I've missed you. Um, but not to do it with the shame part. <laughs> Where it's, you know, I haven't seen you in so long. Where have you been on Sunday mornings? But to actually be willing to just unveil yourself and say, hey, I realize I miss you. How are you doing? I just want to get to, to hear how things are going and just to have a relationship and a conversation. And part of that missing is, yeah, I've missed you at church, but like, that's not about shaming of just like, hey, I realize I need you. Like, I, I need this conversation. How are you doing? But how do we gain that community instead of living in fear of the shadows of, of being alone, of like being proactive? Be like God walking into the garden saying, hey, where are you? I'm here. I'm here for you. Um, one thing that you might read about if you get our Steeple Breeze articles, um, but I wrote about experience I had this last, this last week. Um, anybody heard of Challenge Day? primarily happens in schools, but it's not only for schools. Uh, but local ministers in Jackson got together and said, okay, we want to volunteer for one challenge day together. And so there were, I don't know, a dozen of us that went to challenge day. It was meeting at Jackson College. It was, we were there 7.30 to 3 o'clock. The kids weren't there the whole time. But seventh graders from three schools, I think like Michigan Center and Napoleon and, and uh, somewhere else, but but seventh graders who they can put up barriers and disguises and not necessarily be their real selves, but the whole day was about making it safe to be able to share who you are and to realize that it's okay to share what pains we're going through and to support one another and to realize I'm not going to contribute to the pain that this person's going through. and so they did a lot of things to get people into the mood that it was okay to share. But I wanna just share the moment that that was the meaningful one for the kids. They set up two lines. So you had a line where you're facing this way and another line where you faced the other way. And you always started on one side and then they would ask you to identify if this is true about you. And it might be something like, um, have you ever been mistreated based on your, the size or shape of your body? And so anyone that had felt that way and had experienced that would turn. You go to the other side, and you would look at each other. right? You have to stare at each other's eyes of, wait, these people are going through these things. And so they went through things like, has anybody close to you um, died from gun violence? Watching people cross the room. Has any of you, um, does someone close in your family suffer from uh, Um, addictions to alcohol or drugs, and people cross the line. And these seventh graders start to just break down in tears and, like, are consoling one another and hugging each other because over half the room is crossing the lines on all of these major things of, who is somebody close to you um, has uh, committed suicide or, or attempted to? Or who in here feels like they never were able to be a child? And these kids having to admit that about themselves but look at one another about that. And they realized that they weren't alone in all of the ugliness of the lives that they've already been living through. But we're so unwilling to share that about ourselves that it completely surprised most everyone in the room what each other's going through. But realizing what they were going through allowed them to suddenly connect where afterwards, and they're like, hey, anybody want to share with how they felt And people wanted to share, I want to apologize to one of my classmates. I haven't treated them right. And like, where that reflection helped them to see, I haven't been who I need to be. I want to be different. But we can't get to that moment if we're not willing to reflect on where we've been, where others have been. And to realize we need each other. We need that relationship and community and so if you've been feeling like you've been alone, I hope that one, you see that God is always walking in that garden looking for you. And it's okay not to hide from God. But it's also important that you find some friends, whether that's people already in this church or, or people outside these walls that you build relationships with. But it's important to build relationships because loneliness is, is painful and hurts us and gets on the way of all that God has created us to be. And so I hope that you find people in your life that you can share with and that you make spaces that people can be themselves together uh, and be real with each other. And so I want to note one thing before we kind of close and move into our next part of uh, this worship time. And that's, we're going to be taking communion in a minute and I'm going to talk about communion a little bit more. But I just want to say communion is this beautiful image of our relationship to God and to each other. Of like, it's an act of in a broken, isolated world saying, no, we're connected. And so I hope that communion for you feels fresh in that about, hey, God reaches out to me. I have God here with me. But also that each other, we take it together. But this is also, um, a lot of churches celebrate All Saints Day, Uh, on this kind of Sunday. Maybe someone has passed in your life in this last year. Maybe that's someone that has passed longer than that. But the body of Christ of all times, both those who have gone before us and those who go after us, are all connected in time through God. And we take that communion with all of the body of Christ. And so maybe you can feel the presence of those that you miss in this communion time. Um, But it's not just about those that we miss but it's about realizing that you need people in your life and to still be able to step out in courage to brave the shadows and say hey I I need to build a relationship I, I want friendship and to make that step today. And so I want us just to imagine in closing God is walking this earth, walking down South Jackson strolls in says where are you? How do we answer?